This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. LinkedIn presents. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Limsdahl. My guest this week is Tony Johnson. Tony is the founder and principal at the John, or Tony Johnson Group. He is an international speaker, author, and thought leader on the topics of customer and consumer experience, customer service, guest engagement, thought leadership, and executional success. Welcome, Tony. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate being here today. Yeah, you bet. I start off every single podcast episode with one question. The first question is, is what's one thing people might not know about you, Tony? Well, I think, I think the, the biggest thing right now is, is I'm, a, uh, I'm an avid drone pilot. I, I love flying drones. It's something I got the bug about. My brother-in-law is a, um, an avid flyer. And I, I, he and I go out and, and, and he got me into it maybe, I don't know, close to a decade ago. So we've, we've been through many iterations of drones, but it's something that, that he and I enjoy doing. He's actually a, a real live pilot, but uh, I just play one on TV when I'm flying my drone around, but I love it. I love it. So you got to give me a, a one minute story of the, the craziest crash or the best uh, flight per se that you've had to date. Sure. So, you know, I took the, the, the step a few years ago to become a certified commercial drone pilot so that I could actually go out and photograph the right stuff, which means I can fly in a lot of weird places other folks can't. And I, I think probably my brother-in-law and I chasing each other around his lake in Eagle Lake, Florida with our, with our FPV uh, drones, you know, where you wear the big old ugly goggles and, and they go, I think our, I think they go 80 some miles an hour. I can't imagine what people thought was happening as we were zipping around the lake, chasing each other and, and trying not to crash. Cause we have a gentleman's agreement that someday we are going to crash those drones and we just have to live with it, that it's going to happen. <laughs> so how, how last question I got on these drones, cause now, now I'm geeking out, but how big are these things? They're not like the, the little drones that you start off with that you get out of the cracker jacks, but it, you get, they're, they're like legit size drones. It, it all depends. I mean, actually some of the tech keeps getting smaller and smaller, but I mean, you know, the, I would say about 12 inches by eight inches or so is, is my FPV drone. I've got some that are a couple feet across that are some of the larger ones, um, but I get them all from a company called DJI that I am a huge fan of. That they give great, amazing, you know, customer service, and and it's uh, it's one of those things. Whenever I put them up on online and share the video every now and again, everyone just loves to see, you know, that that aerial photography of the Orlando area. So very cool. Well, I will keep an eye on if you if you're posting any of that. I will make sure people take a look at that. But speaking of customer service and customer experience, let's get back to, to the meat of the podcast. Uh, the one question I have for you, and I you know, want to start it off at the beginning, but what does customer experience mean to you? You know, customer experience and, and customer service, I think are two different things. And so I'm glad you're talking about experience because when I think about that, it's everything that touches the guest, the customer. I hate the word consumer, but I know that word exists for a reason. But I think understanding that it goes past being nice. 
understanding that, you know, those principles of, of safety and, and quality, hospitality, simplicity, inclusivity, those all make up customer experience as opposed to people who just think you have to smile and say thank you, which please, by all means, do that. But but also, what is every other thing that touched the customer? What is it about and what story does it tell about your brand? Absolutely. It's every interaction and it's somebody can have a great experience and a bad experience in the same interaction. And it all depends on what happens at the end of it and how are you treating them and how are you communicating them through that journey. It could say somebody could be on a chat and then not solving their problem, going to an, uh, a voice call, getting to that next voice call. And that person in between left a really good experience because they actually were, even though they didn't solve that problem on the channel of their choice, it went to that next person. And that next person could have been having a bad day. And that person now left a review. Now, who gets that review? Is it is it both of them? Is it is it one or the other? And now there's that bad taste in your mouth because one person had one bad day and left that bad taste in your mouth. So the, the experience is everything. Yeah, and it is. It's every touch point. Every touch point is a moment to delight or a moment to make people miserable. And I think that's so very important for folks to remember is, is there's an entire chain that happens. You know, and the other thing too, it's a great point. Sometimes people forget about the last mile. You know, a lot of folks don't know that those Amazon trucks that drop off your packages, they're not owned by Amazon. They're contracted by Amazon. Although they were Amazon employees, most of them are uh, uniforms. Most of them aren't Amazon employees. But if you have a great experience on Amazon and you find the thing you can't live without, and there are many things I can't live without on Amazon, but they show up and the guy drop kicks it on your porch, like the old FedEx video where the guy drops the TV over the over the fence, well, you're going to blame Amazon. You're not going to blame Bob's Trucking Service who owns that because you're, you're thinking that's last mile fulfillment for Amazon and they blew it at the one yard line. Yeah, you, you talked about the last mile. It kind of reminds me of bandwidth internet connectivity. It's usually that last mile that is the most important because everybody's like, oh, we have the greatest speed. Uh, we have a 5G network. But tell me about that last mile. Uh, tell me about that last mile that really matters to me, not just what you're showing on on marketing because the marketing is great, but the last mile in customer experience is just as important as it is in bandwidth on connectivity for your phones and and for your Wi-Fi. Oh, and that's a great point because it's about bringing it down to stuff people can understand because I'll be honest with you, a bazillion, you can tell me it's a bazillion megabytes per nanosecond. That sounds so good, right? But what I want to hear is on Friday night when my wife and I settle down with our Jets pizza from Lakeland, Florida, is Netflix going to work or am I going to get the spinning wheel of death because I can't get anything to start on any of my streaming services? That's truly all I care about is will you work at nine o'clock when bandwidth is at a premium on Friday night? I love that. And, and it's not just you that's being affected. It is hundreds, if not hundreds of thousands that are potentially being affected because of that, of that potential issue. And you want to feel known and valued and that your time is being respected because of the value and that you're investing back into that organization. And that goes for all organizations. It's not just a streaming service. So it's, uh, it's good. I, one thing I want to transition to is the the talk or the, the word or words of the year is great resignation. Uh, we had a, a prep call a little bit of prior to this, but I want to get your thoughts on the great resignation. When did it start and why is it happening today? You know, I, I think that's an, an excellent question when we think about where we are with, with customer experience. 
because one of the, the biggest pieces of work I do out there right now is helping organizations relate employee experience to their guest experience or customer experience to their business growth. And there's a fantastic company out there where, where I'm the CXO called Forexi Global Consulting. And I spend a lot of time with a fellow named Simon Elliott there. And we kick this around quite a bit. And I dropped Simon's name because he's, he's a huge believer in the human experience. And he always makes me think differently about the holistic approach to taking care of people. And so we often take that step back. And I do when I'm working with organizations now to think about what is it like to be an employee there? What is it like to be a part of the team? Are you paying me fairly and are you are you giving me flexibility and a path to growth and more than just a pizza party at the end of the week, you know, for doing a good job? And the answer in a lot of cases was no, no. You know, if you think about the, the restaurant industry, and I can get away with saying this because I grew up in it, and there are a lot of organizations out there, and I've seen a lot of leaders who didn't treat people very well. And now retail, hospitality, you look at restaurants and a lot of them, this isn't true for everybody. There are some great performers out there. But if you think about it, there's a reason why those are the industries that are currently suffering when it comes to recruiting talent, because they were kind of struggling on treating their teams well. Now, I think everyone's finally starting to understand they need to do better with that. But that's where this all started was when employees decided they'd had enough. There were options out there. There were tons of work from home gigs. And now they're trying their hand at it. You know, everyone's trying an Etsy shop or maybe being a consultant like I did when I stepped off the ledge and and did that. And and so everyone's trying that. And it'll be interesting to see who comes back and who doesn't and and what restaurants, retail, hospitality, travel, leisure all do to bring back the best talent, because that was the reckoning that truly started all of this was people saying we can do better as a career. And now they're out testing those waters. But the, the upside to that is there always is with stuff like this is now organizations are challenging themselves to say, we can be better recognizers. We can be better with training. We can be better with making sure people get their breaks and that the tips are split fairly and all of those things that people talked about for decades. And so that is going to be the one real upside to this. As people come back, my hope is that there will be a a more inclusive, more welcoming, more recognition-based, better-to-work environment in all of those, you know, all those places I mentioned, because again, coming up in the restaurant business a million years ago, having worked in hotels and resorts and leisure and travel, it's a great industry to be in if you have the right leadership and the right organization. So I'm hoping this is the time for that to become the place where the very best talent wants to be. And so the ones that don't flex, the ones that don't understand and listen to what the employee wants and, and everybody jokes around about it that it's not the the jeans on Friday or the kegerator in the corner. It's truly listening to what that employee that employee wants across the board, and maybe it's even personalized. But the ones that do that will differentiate in the marketplace and say, you know what, if you want to work from home five days a week, work from home five days a week as long as you're doing what we're asking you to do. There's others that are saying. Here's the hybrid model. You need to be in two two days this week and three days the next week. And then there's the opposite people that say, I want you downtown. I want you to pay for parking. I want you to wear a suit and tie. And I expect you to be here five days a week. There's going to be, the, I mean, the great resignation is there because of that, that differentiation of experiences. And it's it's not necessarily from my perspective about pay, about benefits, about other things which are important, 
but it's, it's what, what do I value and how are you going to listen to me? And even, even on the training side, you touched on it a little bit and maybe get into that is, is it, are the employees or are the companies in general listening to what the that employee wants to go? Or are they just saying, well, I'm going to make you a better customer service rep. If that person really wants to go into operations or go into marketing or go into IT and they don't really want to stay in customer service. So I'd love to get your perspective on on the training side or, or listening to that employee to get their personalized experience. Yeah, and I think you, you made one great point to double down on before we talk about that, and that is around the idea of what is individually appropriate for your workforce. And I think that's that's the phrase that pays, because depending on what survey you read, and it's different for hourly associate versus senior level leadership and salaried employees, what they value. So, you know, for a, for an hourly employee, pay is, is the great equalizer still in a lot of places, but... There's so many other things to consider too. Are you, you know, are you going to give me, and this is where it starts to get into training and development is, are you going to give me transferable skills? Are you going to make me better in ways that may not benefit you? You know, it, it Chick-fil-A is a good example of this. When they hire in really great high school employees and things like that, they know that's probably not their forever job and they're okay with that. But they say, we want the very best 16, 17, 18 year olds who want to come and work nights and weekends and help in the drive through and all that stuff because we want to, we want to be a part of your work journey. We're going to teach you how to be nice to people. We're going to teach you how to work as a part of a team. We're going to give you leadership development opportunities at the age of 16, 17, 18. And then you're going to take that off and do great things with it. And it's okay that it's not going to be with us, which is why they're an employer of choice. And I think that's important because so often people are worried what happens if we train people and they leave, as opposed to being worried about what happens if you don't train them and they stay. And I think that's a scary place to be. And and, I, and and you make a great point around all of those things all getting put in a blender and creating that milkshake that is about what is going to make employee retention uptick in your organization. It's personal, it's training-based, it's purpose, all of those things. And, and I think you can't ignore pay and recognition. And, you know, everyone makes fun of the pizza party. I'm a huge fan of making fun of the pizza party. But it works if you do it right as a part of a larger recognition strategy. You know, how many times uh, anyone out there listening in corporate America, have you thrown a big pizza party, an ice cream social, whatever that is, you show up and it's all employees, which is great, but the leader doesn't even show up to have a slice of pizza. The CEO doesn't show up to say thank you. So it's just a meaningless 20 minutes away from work that then we have to figure out how to make that up so we don't have to stay till 530 instead of five. But it all comes back to the fact of if you do it right, the pizza party or the kegerator or whatever that is can be impactful, but everyone just kind of uses it as a throwaway, easy to do moment. It's more of a checkbox than it is engaging with the employees. And and I think that's where that line is drawn is, hey, I am measured on employee satisfaction, even though we might not measure on it, but. I have a pizza party and I have the jeans and I have the keg in the corner. So I solved my objective and I hit my annual bonus because of X. And that's not right. Uh, if, if you were a company today, how would you, when you're going out and recruiting and, and you're putting a post online, how would you differentiate from other people when you're, when you're saying, is it, is it about, that personalized experience is about understanding what your company's why is and, and kind of the mission, vision, and values. Or where would you start to 
to have that Chick-fil-A experience in the in the corporate world? Sure. And I think it depends on what kind of workforce you're trying to recruit and at what level of the organization and making sure you're speaking to them. Because I think mission and vision and values and purpose and all of that, I think that's super important. But I, I think some of it is more important at more senior levels of the organization. I think when you're looking, especially right now where everyone's struggling, is to get great frontline team members to deliver at the moment of truth. And I think they care about things like flexibility. You know, that's the one that when I look at Chick-fil-A ads for hourly employees or, or Disney or anybody who's really trying to be a recruiter of choice, you know, it's that opportunity. Can I make my own hours to some extent? You know, uh, when appropriate, can I work from home? And when appropriate, can I, you know, do I have to work five, eight hour days or can I work three twelves, you know, four tens? What, what's the option there for me? You know, do I have to work an eight hour day or can I work six hour days? These are all the things that I think people really care about, you know, and then what, what are you going to do to make me a better employee and give me skills and give me opportunities for the future to grow and make more money for my family and, and to, to be, that person that grows within the organization. I think those are things that are very relevant and that people want to hear is that there is a path to growth. In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your clients' pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes. Yeah, I would agree. So you, you touched on family a little bit. So it's how important is it to understand your individual employees, why? Why are they even at this role? Why are they working at this company? And then how, in addition to that, how important is it to understand the customer experience and their role in that why? Yeah, so when we think about that that individual employee experience, the more you can get to know your team beyond the daily work. And and that is one of those things that it's a platitude that everybody says, like you should have a people first culture. Everybody says it, but nobody does it. It's, it's literally the extra 10 minutes a day you take to go around and talk to people that has nothing to do about work. And it is the one thing, because again, I'm not a fan of saying you, everyone should go back to the office if there's not a compelling business case for it. But it's the one thing you kind of miss from not being in the office is that kind of, it's an old hackneyed phrase, that water cooler conversation, the pickup meetings in the hallway, the meeting after the meeting, but the chance to learn something about someone that has nothing to do with their job function. So you find out that they have a special needs child. You find out that they like to fly drones. You find out they like to fish, whatever. And then it becomes much more important to you as a leader when they ask for that Saturday off and it's a little harder than you'd like it to be to make it happen. You understand it's because they want to take their kids fishing. And so now you've got an insight into their their life that makes it so much easier to talk to them as a human being and not just not just a number and not just an employee. And and I think then that that continuing to get to know them makes it so much easier to understand how they want to be recognized and celebrated and where they want to go in their career and it builds a level of trust between leader and team member that 
I think opens up doors for communication and idea sharing and longevity on the job and a million things because you took the time to get to know somebody for three minutes more a day that had nothing to do with the widgets you're making. I think the relationship building internally is undervalued and it needs to, it's really tough to have a Zoom call and jump in and just randomly call somebody and just say, hey, Susie, just want to let you know that I appreciate you and hope the kids are doing good. What are you guys up to this weekend? And she's like, I'm, I'm underwater right now. Uh, can we schedule a time? Like, uh, this is, this is not, not great, but, uh, I, I appreciate that about just truly understanding that person first, because the more that you can understand the person, the more you can kind of adapt to their schedule as needed around the special needs kid or the, or the fishing or the drones, because you understand the reason why they're asking that question without even potentially asking with them asking the, oh, I need to spend that extra time or I need to take time off for two hours during the day, knowing that they're going to make it up uh, is is super important. But you you mentioned recognition too. So what what role does recognition play in maybe retaining those those employees? Sure. And I think recognition is one of those things that there's there's a couple of of sizes that fit there, you know, because there's the there's the everyday recognition and people neglect that the 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 pat on the back, the in the moment, thank you. There's the bigger stuff, the email, the note to your house. I'm still an old school fan of writing up a nice card and sending it to someone's home. They can open up in front of their family. I think there's something to that. And then those big firework moments, right, where they're whether it's work anniversaries, birthdays, uh, somebody had a really great sales effort, whatever that thing is. But I think most people understand, or most people don't understand that, that it doesn't have to be a ticker tape parade moment every time. So long as the recognition is personalized and it's authentic, it's specific, by the way, because that's the one thing. I used to have a boss. He used to tell me all the time, he'd say, Tony, thanks for all you're doing. And I'd say, Brian, what is it you think I'm doing? You know, because he didn't know, but he felt like he wanted to say something to me. So if I, you know, I, I think that's the one thing I would love people to stop saying is, is please out there in, in Radio Land, please never say thanks for all you're doing ever again, because it's a waste of your time and no one cares. Right. But and then it has to be timely. There's 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 some time release there where folks have to thank people right in the moment very close to when the event happened because there's some emotional stickiness there. And when people understand that if recognition is heartfelt and timely, you can get people to repeat what you recognize. And that's truly the business case for great recognition. It's like the business case we just talked about for why should you take the time to get to know people? Well, it's the right thing to do, but also why wouldn't you uh, want to have a more engaged workforce? And these are these are engagement builders that will ultimately lead to safer workplaces and more productive work and, and better longevity and retention. So there's a business case for small talk and a business case for recognition that can be made every day. Yeah, so we, yeah, I, I agree. You talked about recognition and I think it's it's so important, but you know, one of the things that I just thought of too is in an organization, in order to grow, you also need to provide feedback. And that is not just like the the attaboys and you're doing amazing and uh, keep up the good work, but it's here's some lessons learned. Here's some things that we maybe in a postmortem on a project or uh, that, that didn't go great or that we could have done better. But when it comes to back to that employee, how often is that feedback important? How much is that feedback important? And then how often should you do it? Yeah, I think you make a good point around after action reporting and and the fact that not all feedback is good. And and I think when you look at at the timeliness of feedback, 
there's a great lesson to be learned from the healthcare space. So in a lot of hospitals and healthcare environments, nurses and, and doctors and service providers and everybody, they, they try to work on this idea of a 30-day rounding, they call it, where you, you go in and you kind of ask questions and you talk about, you know, what does the team member need? What's going well and what's not? Is there anything getting in the way of great work? And it's also a nice opportunity then to give in the moment feedback. And I, I remember having a supervisor who he told me one time I was I was an executive at a big company and I was reporting to this 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 operating officer and he said Tony, we're going to have regular touch points every week and talk about your performance. And I said that sounds great. He said, and just so you know, your performance appraisal is going to be about five minutes every year. And I said, okay, tell me more. And he said, we're going to talk every week. He said, one week we're going to talk about where you want to be when you grow up and what you want to do and where you want to go. But the other week we're going to talk about how things are going for you and any ideas or suggestions I have and what's going well and what's not. I said, okay. And we did it every week. He never let it get pushed off the calendar. We moved it sometimes, but we always did it. And I will tell you, every week I got meaningful feedback from him around where I was doing well and where I could be better and where I could improve my executive presence. And this was, I was young in my executive journey at the time. And I really appreciated that because it made me a better leader. And I will tell you, he was good to his word because my performance appraisal, I remember, was about four minutes because literally there were no surprises in there. All he had to do was give me my overall rating and my raise and bonus, and I had to sign it. (laughs) And if I could have found a pen quicker, it might have been three minutes, right? Because literally we had nothing to talk about because we talked every week about my performance. That's amazing. And I think more leaders should do that when it came to him communicating. It's a time investment. And that's the time suck. Yeah, when it came to him con- com- communicating with you consistently and purposely every week, how did that make you feel? Because it, it, from from my perspective, it probably gave you a little bit of peace of mind knowing that you you knew exactly what was going to happen at that that four minute or five minute conversation. Oh yeah, I mean it was my security blanket because you you know you never i i never had a lot of uh, a lot of love to find out that i'd done a hundred things wrong at my quarterly check in I, I wanted to know every week if i'd done something that i needed to correct or if there was an opportunity in my performance or whatever that was i'm a worrier by nature so as soon as i knew that things were on the up and up that week. I, you know, I was great, right? You know, I, it was a great chance to know where I stood. There were never any secrets or ambiguity. And that's frankly where people go wrong with performance management is they, they either try to give you a compliment sandwich or they waffle around the, the idea of being direct with feedback. And that's why most organizations let low performers stick around way, way too long because they, they just don't get in there and share the candid in the moment direct feedback that a team member needs to improve. So the leaders who are listening to this that manage other people, listen to that last five minutes and repeat until you implement. <laughs> uh, so the the question I got for you, because everybody, there's a ton of CX leaders out there. There's a ton of um, people like yourself who have a CX title, CX leader, CX author, CX speaker, uh, what's the difference and, and why is it so important to have somebody like yourself who has real world experience uh, in, in CX strategy versus somebody who doesn't? Or why is that so important to have that, that strategy? I think there's something to be said 
to working with folks who have done it and have had to implement a strategy, who have had customers scream at them, you know, because something went wrong. The biggest life lesson I got was when I was working in a high-end catering in Indianapolis, Indiana, when we were doing um, about 30 weddings a year. It's a lot of pressure because it's someone's big day. And if you screw that up, you're going to have somebody's mom in your face, right? Or somebody's dad in your face because they paid a lot of money and the steak was cold or the chicken was rubbery. So I think understanding that, that, that everything is around business growth, high stakes, sure, that's great. But also it all comes back to people. And if you've never had someone really upset with you because you messed something up for them from a service perspective, it's hard to understand the impact that, that your good or bad behavior can have on people. And then understanding how to implement these things and that writing a CX strategy is wonderful. And I've written a million of them. But without the tactics and behaviors and training to implement that, the quality assurance, the coaching, how do you keep it going over time? How are you going to measure and sustain it? Big deal. Who cares? If you have a strategy without understanding what you're – because the employee at, at the end of the day, the team member, wants to do a great job. But does the cashier really understand what it means to provide a world-class experience in that shop? Maybe, maybe not. But everyone understands that I should smile, say hello, ask to help them out with their bags, open the door and wish them well as they leave. Everybody understands that. So knowing that it all comes down to the frontline employee who rings up the transaction or answers the phone at the call center, that's your company. That's your company right there. And that's what I think you understand if you've been out there in the weeds uh, doing it in real life and in real time, that it all comes back to the, the talent and caliber of the team you can put together to take care of customers right there in the moment. I'm just going to let that marinate. Uh, there's nothing that needs to be added to that. So uh, well said, Tony. Uh, I, have, I, I, I finish up every single podcast episode with two questions. And the first question is, what book or person in customer service or customer experience has influenced you the most in the past year? And then the second question is, if you could leave a note to all customer service representatives, it's going to hit everybody's desk Monday at 8 a.m., what would it say? So the first one, I think there's a book that I tend to leaf through or reread about every year. And I'm going to tell you, it's, it's, it's Creating Magic by Lee Cockrell. And it's an older book, right? It's not a new book, and there's not a lot of new stuff in there, but Lee Cockrell is an inspiration to me. He is one of the first customer service books I read a million years ago before I stepped out on the ledge and started being a speaker and a trainer and consultant on on this stuff. And he inspires me. He's still on LinkedIn. He's still going strong. Every day I see Lee post something and it inspires me. And by the way, I think we have the same birthday, March 27th. So Lee, if you're out there, happy birthday from a couple months ago. And then the, the note that I would leave is to keep it simple, is, is to write the straight. It's kind of like what I said before. It's, it's sure. Write the strategy. Sure. Have the, the big posters on the wall. Do all of that. Do all of that and do it well, but make sure everyone understands what they need to do personally and professionally every day to create the, the customer, the guest, the client experience that you want your, your customers to have. And if there's any ambiguity there, how can they ever do that for you? So that, that would be my, that'd be the, the love letter that I would leave for everyone out there. And, and as a sub note to that, please never forget out there. If you work in CX, you have the capability to be a uniter and a unifier and a silo buster. Cause, cause I was a, a CXO for a really large Fortune 200. And part of my role was to bring people together because it's really easy for marketing and HR and operations and finance and leadership to all get siloed. But the one thing that ties everything together 
is the is the guest, the customer, the the end person who gets the product or service. And as CX leaders, we have a, a duty to go into every room swinging, right? We represent the customer. We're Jeff Bezos's empty chair at the table to represent the customer in every room we walk into and to bring people together. So I cheated and took two notes, but I think they're both good. You can combine them though. I will I will not cut that second part out just because it was solid content. <laughs> Tony, what's the best way for my listeners to to get a hold of you, find with find you on social, connect with you? Sure. You can find me on LinkedIn at, at Tony Johnson CCXP. You can also head on over to forexiconsulting.com or igniteyourservice.com, either one, to take a look at all the different strategies out there to really help forward the human experience. Uh, really in, in really any market where people are at the center of what we do, which is frankly everywhere. That's great. To all the listeners, go to Tony's LinkedIn and and uh, connect with him and follow him on all social channels and his email subscription and wherever he has carrier pigeons, uh, wherever he's at, you, you find a way to get a hold of him. So Tony, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing this episode with them. And last, if you would like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, you can go to pressonefornick.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Press One for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share. Until next time, focus on your customers. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.